My name is Phil Mendoza, and this is a championship bow hunting podcast fueled by Mountain Ops. Join me and my guests as we give you bow hunting tips to take your preparation to the next level. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 62. Got a special guest on today. Uh, good friend Chad Chenault. Before I get to Chad, I want to uh, send a quick shout out to today's episode partner. That's Hamsky Archery. If you haven't checked out the new Hamsky Hybrid Pro Target Rest, I encourage you to do so. I believe Chad's also a uh, a, a user of the Hamsky products, so check them out. Um, one last thing, or a couple last things, I guess. If if you're looking to get some Mountain Op supplements or or products. Type in Alpha at checkout for a discount, and also don't forget about the bonus gift that Maven's given any of our listeners if you uh, type in Alpha Gift at checkout. So getting into the to the show here, Chad, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So are you are you still running the Versa Rest? Are you, you, have you tried out one of the, the Hybrid Pros yet? No, I have the new Hybrid Pro. Cool. How are you liking it? I love it. Uh, obviously, you know, it's, it's a lot like the Versa Rest. They've just updated some things lighter, a uh, little, a little more user-friendly in a couple of departments. And it just offers that flexibility of, you know, being able to use it limb-driven, cable-driven. I mean, it's just so flexible, but yep, I love it. Yeah. They did a lot of uh, nice updates. I agree. You know, it's, it's kind of, as far as in the shooting department status quo though, right? I mean, it's, it's it's just as good as the last one. Um, that's what I that's what I can tell anyway so far. What's that? But I said I like it just as good as the last one uh, with with some improvements for more for hunting I would say. I mean some people like a little bit lighter rest on their bow, but usually a target bow is is often a heavier platform anyway. So for me that never bothered me. Right. But so Chad, you just. Uh, Come off shooting Paris, Texas, uh, top ten finish. Congrats there. That's uh, it's always good to get a top ten finish in any division, especially the pro class. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, a good weekend. T- tough course, from what I what I heard, what I saw, it was a longer course. But um, give me your. I mean, I, I always remember Texas being that a little bit longer course, and then there's always chance for wind. What 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 was it this like this time? Well, we got uh, we showed up. Thursday got there Thursday it was a beautiful day sunny 78 to 80 I think high uh and then Friday it got cold <laughs> and uh kind of breezy it wasn't too bad out in the woods where we were shooting um and Saturday was much the same but it just makes you uh wonder why you travel 16 hours to get the same weather as you as you had at home <laughs> yeah uh, so so yeah, go ahead. So how how was the rest of the weekend? So yeah, we, you know, weather it wasn't. I mean, it was a little windy, but yeah, like I said, it was the conditions were pretty decent when we got out there, actually in the woods to shoot. Um, it was a, a longer, tougher course again. Um, kind of tested your patience, I think. Tends to be uh, the problem there, especially for me on day one. Yeah. Is it, I mean, it, it's just, it's kind of a par game, par plus a few points on one of those, some of those long courses. And 
and uh, hard to be aggressive at times. But I mean, I don't know. What's what's your mindset in that kind of game when it when it tends to be a longer course? Um, typically, I've done pretty well um, shooting those kind of courses. I can I usually stay patient and just kind of pick them pick up twelves, you know, here and there as a as I can catch them. But I guess you look at you look at the pro division and you just know that somebody is going to go out and they're going to have a good day. And day one, it was Joby Shaw. He jumped out to a, a big lead. And so when you're looking at trying to win the shoot, it's hard to sit there and just keep shooting tens and saying, all right, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pick up one here or I'm going to pick up a couple here. And so that's, I think that's probably my biggest battle is, is keeping that patience and knowing that eventually they're going to come. Yeah. Because it's yeah. very it's very easy to dig yourself a a hole, especially on a course like that. You know, well, you shoot it, a couple eights, and now you got to shoot twelves just to get back to even. And but vice versa, the same. If somebody comes out the gate just blasting one day, and the second day they they end up starting out with a couple eights, and 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 you know, and I don't know how Joby did the second day. I know he didn't he didn't do as well as he did the first day, but it's just as easy to open the door for someone else too. And like you said, so that patience and knowing when to pick your, your battles is, it becomes a little different game on the longer range. Right. So, um, you know, it, how is the participation? I know the first event was just out the, out the gates with numbers. Texas has always been a, a big event as well. Did it seem like there was as many people at this event? There wasn't as many. I want to say they still had a good turnout. I want to say I heard 1,600, something like that. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. But I, I think it was still a good turnout. The The numbers are still still very good. Well, that's good to see, man. Especially for Texas. See. Texas tends to be uh, one of the lower-attended shoots, I think. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of local. I mean, the Texas, um, Arkansas, you know, Louisiana, that region of shooters represents well but you're right the the people that are traveling further tend to miss to drop that one yeah but um it, it's it's good man i mean i um i always enjoyed shooting texas except the, the very very first year that i did it it was i mean we flew into i think it was dallas i can't remember and i tell you what i didn't think they were going to land the plane man the way that that wind was was coming through there and the and they would start to the descent, and you'd see the trees, you know, down low. You're getting closer, and all of a sudden, that plane would just, you know, swoop off to the side, and got a little nervous. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> it, That's it was, I, uh, I love I love Texas. The people of Paris, you know, there's always welcome signs and everything at all the uh, establishments, so they really like having us there. Uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. the the wind and weather can be kind of frustrating. Yeah. It, you know, it's part of the game. People, you know, have, I think, grown to expect that out of Texas occasionally. Um, but so so I want to ask you a quick question. You know, Bojunkie, uh, another media platform that was re- recently purchased over um, by, was it by Dan and, and Greg Poole? Yeah. Dan McCarthy and Greg Poole. How has that changed? I know in the past... Bojunkie had a, a presence as far as on the on the the scorecard or the scoreboard and and shoot down video and shoot downs and it seems like now they're doing a lot more shooter interviews, um, getting I don't know I it, the the content seems a little different I'm I'm enjoying following it that way I mean what what's your thoughts as far as how they're interacting uh, at the event? 
Um, it's I I guess I don't pay a lot of attention like when I'm actually at the event. I know you know they're going around there interviewing a few people here and there. Uh, I I know the one thing that I've noticed that I think is awesome is you know they go and they've interviewed some amateur amateur class winners, some kids. Uh, you know, just getting more people involved and uh, I think I think the goal their goal was to kind of avoid some of the uh drama and some of the kind of media driven ways to get your name out there and stuff. They're just I I like their content and what what they're doing with it right now. So yeah, so it seems like they're just they're just capturing and covering the event as it as it unfolds. They're not so focused on the men's pro division like uh, the former Bo Junkie, you know, um, management. I, I don't know how I want to say it was was fo- it was just it seemed like they really didn't care too much about the women's pros. They didn't care too much about they didn't care at all about senior pros, and they really didn't care about anybody else. Is what it seemed like. Um, so yeah, that's it's good to see, man. I mean, different people running a, an organization or a, a media platform. It, it's good to see the the different elements that they're that they're covering. So Chad, I, I have a couple last questions for you before we close out today. Um, I just did an episode on trigger selection, like well, not so much trigger. I had a question from a listener that that asked about a two two stage trigger on a rifle as opposed to a release, and I just explained the best I felt. You can the closest you can get is like a, a hinge with a clicker, you know, something that gives you a reference before it actually goes off. Um, what kind of release are you shooting right now? I shoot a Trueball HP four finger brass. Uh, it's pretty much the style I've shot since I started learning tournament archery. Uh, when I you know when I was first introduced to it, I basically said I want the equipment that's going to make me the best archer that I can be. And as it was explained to me, basically a hinge was probably the best way to develop a good shot sequence, a good subconscious shot. Uh, And I try to start anybody that I'm trying to get into it. I try to start them out there. Yeah, Uh, I agree, man. It's good. You shoot it with the click? I do not. Okay. My problem with the, my problem with the click was always, I when I come down on the target and now I'm working my shot and the click goes off, well now I just kind of put something in my brain other than aiming, and I basically got start start my sequence completely all over again. Yeah. So I don't use a clicker. I know, uh, I know you know Broadwater has some thoughts on kind of the reasoning behind it as far as a starting point things like that. Um, it's just not ever worked for me. I, I agree. I, I've used it some, and I and I used it okay for a while. Um, but it, it does it disrupts your your shot sequence, like you said. It's it's a it's a noticeable click in, in your hand that it. If some people don't handle that right, and they flinch or they um, they they move slightly, it's enough to send the execute the shot prematurely. Yeah, and uh, you know, and guys like you know Broadwater and some of these guys have been doing it since they were kids. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of theory in archery, and some of those guys have probably, uh, they obviously have more experience than I do, and I'm try, kind of picking up on trying to learn some of that uh, that stuff as far as 
you know, when you break a shot, your shot down and you break down where you can make mistakes and where you can do something different, your release hand, I think, is one of those things that maybe doesn't get looked at near as much as it should. Sure. And, you know, you're applying different tensions in your fingers. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of places that it can go wrong. So when you're breaking down your shot and you're trying to repeat, you know, I just try to look at each sequence and say, all right, where can I make this more consistent? And so I'm try- I've tried to do that with my release this year, and it seems to be working pretty well. Uh, I'm really happy with the way I'm shooting a bow. So. Well, and, and you're shooting it well, man, competing in that class. And like you said, one of the big things is you've been shooting the same style release, or if not the same release itself, the same style of release for a long time. And that is huge when you start breaking down that one element of your shot because you've eliminated the ver- some of the variables already that so many people introduce with changing equipment out regularly, you know? Right. So that's good, man. So w- one more question for you. I just kind of started um, I, uh, a little accountability challenge to myself to where I get, I'm trying to get back to where I'm shooting – uh, a large number of arrows for a lot of a lot of reasons, but um, I'm, I'm trying to put through more put more arrows through my bow. And, and at this point, it's a hunting bow. I've got a 3D bow that I'm going to be uh, working on a little bit again. But what? How many roughly? How many times a week do you shoot? Do you do you count? I mean, is there a certain arrows you want to hit per week, or is it more just you get out and dedicate your time and and put in the time? What, what's your schedule like on a week to week basis? Um, this year has not been good for my practice schedule. Um, it's not at all where I would like to be. So I haven't been, and a lot of it's weather. I don't really have a, anywhere that I can go out and I can shoot long distance. And when the wind's blowing, it does me zero good to go out and shoot in the wind. I'm not teaching myself anything, uh, other than how to, you know, punch a release or, uh, you know, get myself issues. So there's absolutely no reason for me to shoot in the wind. So with the, the weather we've had there, I haven't had a lot of time shooting a bow. It's just been, uh, more paying attention to my sequence. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to pick the bow up every day to know that it's still good. There's nothing wrong with the equipment. I just said, when I get a good opportunity and good weather, I can go out and I can shoot a few arrows, feel good about it. And yardage, yardage right now is a big thing. Yeah, that's the, uh, you know, in your division, that's, it seems like, like you said, if if you can at least put in some of the time to make sure your shot is, is on par, the, the determining factor is yardage in many cases. Well, so how about Jay Crack, man? A friend of ours, we, we shot with some, uh, in, in semi and, and, uh, went in the, K50 class this last last weekend as well. Yep, super happy for Jake. That was awesome to see. Yeah, I, when I saw that too, I was stoked, man. I uh, I got to give him a call and tell him congrats as well. But well, Chad, what's uh, you've got a you got an IBO coming up soon? Uh, there's one this weekend. The weather does not look very friendly, so probably not going to make that one. So that puts uh, Augusta, Georgia, ASA. At the end of the month, up for the next one. Well, good deal, man. So, well, hopefully the the weather breaks here soon for you, and you you get to spend a little more time outside. 
and good luck in the next few events, man. We'll catch up with you again here probably in the next month or so and, and see how things are are unfolding. But um, it's always fun watching on, like I said, whether it's Junkie or just social media and then checking the ASA IBO websites to see how, how people did. But thanks for coming back on and, and sharing a little insight as to uh, how things have been going with you and, and even just on the shooting side, man. It's always fun to talk archery. Absolutely. Thanks, Phil. Hey, man, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.